This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to My Favorite Murder. That's Georgia Hartzer. Thank you. That's Karen Kilgariff. You're welcome. <laughs> we are proud to be here with you this week. Mm-hmm. Talking about true crime. Yep. Talking about whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Maybe we'll recommend a book or two for your reading <gasps> pleasure. What? Maybe we'll um, have an anecdote about a wonderful thing. Maybe there's <laughs> correction corners Ooh. up the wazoo. Always and forever. Should I kick off with the emergency correction corner? Oh, shit. I didn't know we had one. This is an emergency. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. OK. What did, what did we do? Uh, well, we can actually blame it on home gym because. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck. This is an emergency. It's an emergency. Oh, you my. cannot put out a grease fire with flour. You cannot. <laughs> now, you've been listening <laughs> or if you haven't, please don't try to put out. a. <laughs> We've been giving false information, dangerous, false Listen. spreading lies. Apparently, my dad's been retired long enough from the San Francisco Fire Department that he doesn't know how to put fires out anymore. <laughs> I think it's sad. You think it's funny. It, whatever. But we've got I got lots and lots of oh, tweets yeah. with people um, who are related to firemen who are sitting next to one at the time who here's just my have, favorite. Just have went to kindergarten and learned some basics. Learn the bit. Ba- well, but I never I always just thought it was a. I was happy to take his information and be like, yeah. this is what I also have already known. Sure. This is the way families grow up ignorant. If Tom Jim doesn't know, then who among us is to know? But I do. I will defend him by saying that he did do that thing where he said, I think so. <laughs> and I, maybe that was the flower that was getting him. But well, that's all you can expect. And my favorite murder is an, a solid. I think so. With a question mark at the end. We're setting you, the listener, up to help us. We need you to help us. We're trying to get you to participate. This is an interactive podcast. This is a choose your own adventure podcast. This is an intervention podcast (laughs) where someone's going to walk in and say enough is enough. Your your stove's on fire. (laughs) Your show's burning down. Don't you care? (laughs) And then that's when George and I grab hands and run into the sea. Um. So, yeah, only use salt, baking soda or a wet towel if you're even going to attempt to put out a grease fire. Yeah. Obviously, fire extinguisher is your best bet, but those are hard to use. Someone told me I read online, too, that those like there's a green bottle one that's specifically for grease fires. And then the red ones are for fire fires. They like they they might cause the same problem. I had you know what? what? Here's the thing. (laughs) Stop making bacon and fucking around. And stop like, making it, your favorite murder podcasters your firefighters <laughs> and your your information and, about. And stop being mad because I pose as a firefighter <laughs> and then get mad at you when I give you the wrong information. Stop giving us good information. We're going to fight it every step of the way. 
Well, that's good. So anyway, hopefully we cleared that up for you. (laughs) Let's all look up everyone right now. Look up ways to put out fires. That's it. You know how to get red wine out of a dress. You should also know how to put out different kinds of fires. How about this? It's all salt. The answer is salt for everything. (laughs) It's getting red wine out of a dress. It's putting out fires. It's rubbing into wounds, whatever you need. Making your food delicious. My favorite thing was people sending me pictures of other people's notes from their phone. Like it literally or like a part of a Facebook post where I'm like, could we get a source on this? <laughs> if if my dad's not sure, why should I believe your uh, iPhone note yeah. that just has a, a written list? That's still not a better source. OK, here's a um, another listener listener generated piece of advice of safety advice randomly that I was going to read and it kind of goes along with it. So uh, on Instagram, uh, someone whose name is a underscore Nolf, they were doing a like a deep Reddit dive about the Delphi murders, which I covered a while back. And um, the piece of advice they gave is apparently you can set up your phone so that if you push the power button twice and said it's probably different depending on your phone, but there's a phone on it, a button on everyone's phone. And if you press it, the phone will take a picture of what's in front of you, behind you, and a five-second video. Um, And then all of that will get sent to your emergency contact. So, like, if you're my emergency contact, you'll know I'm in distress. It'll send you that information so you have it in case something goes wrong. And that's an app or that's already on the iPhone? It's already a feature of your phone, which I want to try, but I'm not going to. And I guess you probably have to set up an emergency. Steven's laughing. Is this just total bullshit? No, I have no idea. A- I've never heard of this before. Uh, Steven, is this a, a creepy pasta safety tip? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. But I don't think I have anyone set up as an emergency contact. So I don't know if it'll work. What if it just sends it to my ex? Because I haven't set yeah, up Yeah, I know. I was going to say. <laughs> for real, I was just like, who would my emergency contact be? That's a, that's a sad moment. It's me. When you're like, yeah. yeah, but would you come over like 3 a.m.? No, I'd be like, she must have sat on her phone. <laughs> Vince, Vince, go check. <laughs> I try to call you. Like, she's not picking up. I'm just going to. But it's like I'm going to make I make my neighbor. You should. My neighbor that I just met recently. My emergency Hi, contact. Will you be my best friend and my emergency contact. Um, can you pick me up at the airport? <laughs> um, uh, well, what else? Yeah. So that's I think that finding out your emergency settings on your phone is probably a really good thing to have. That's a good thing. to right? Oh. Maybe we go into speaking of emergency settings of safety. Yeah. Uh, lots of lots and lots of people. Uh, we all went into this this week. This was something that happened on um, the Internet. And uh, it, I don't think no one missed it. No, not one person missed it. And not one person didn't send it to me. Samantha Hartso mm-hmm. is her name on TikTok. Mm hmm. Who felt felt wind blowing from behind her mirror? Yeah, took her mirror down only to discover there was an opening. Her medicine cabinet behind her, yeah, her medicine cabinet mirror. Right, yeah, takes it off the wall in her apartment. Her her roommates watch her go laughingly. Good job. So she goes through the wall, and there's an entire empty apartment <laughs> hidden. And she starts walking in it. And mind you, and this is the thing that like I was talking with with uh, my friends last night about she it wasn't like a space where she could like just kind of bend down and go in and grab. It was like she had to contort herself to go through the mirror (laughs) hole and then was walking freely around an apartment 
the contents of which she did not know. Yeah. A huge, looked like abandoned apartment. But here's the thing. I knew that that was a thing and that they build them like that because my sister used to live in this like old, you know, I think it was like just pre-war apartment in Culver City. And had that same issue because every morning the person who who shared a wall with her, they would be getting they would be getting ready on either side of the medicine cabinet. And then there would just be you could see them. There would be like a little gap. And they no. could, they'd sometimes make eye contact. Ew. Like the smallest gap. You could just see a sliver of each other's <laughs> eyes and they'd both be getting ready. And then there would just be this awkward moment of like, do we acknowledge <laughs> that we're basically roommates right now? Yeah. And you could, yeah, just take out the mirror and fucking go into each other's apartments. You're not safe anywhere. There's nowhere you're safe. It's a the idea that with a big smile on her face and like with TikTok in her heart, she went into a, mm. a question mark space and then kind of just fucked around. When she went down those stairs, I was like, yeah, this, ah, this is not going to end well. No, you think what you're I love the though, safety of TikTok. Yes. No. It no. And she but she did lock that door when she got down to the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. This is like a this is a TikTok recap podcast. <laughs> but everybody's congratulations, Samantha, because you were the character of the week on Twitter and not in a bad way. In a, no. in a like in a way where everybody we were was all like, scared for you. We were there with you. You're we very were, brave. I thought I was very proud, but at the same time, uh -huh. like, why are you doing this? I, like, it and ended also, well. a hammer's not enough. A hammer's not enough. No. If you're gonna go into a space like that because even it could be like there's gonna be a squatter there who's like stop filming me and angry the Blair Witch could be there with her back <gasps> turned in the corner right and yeah. then you're like wait there's someone in the corner with their back turned I'm gonna the go scariest tap on her shoulder ma'am ma'am are you okay I'm the girl from TikTok the <laughs> end she comes back her eyes are weird she starts eating a roommate good for her <laughs> I'm happy good for, her. for her and good for her if she does. I'm happy for her. I am so Samantha. happy. <laughs> Congratulations, Samantha. Congratulations, Even the Samantha. New York Post picked up your story. It's pretty sweet. It was a it was a good one. And it was like it was really she just was basically like, you know what? We're in quarantine. Oh, yeah. This is happening to me. I'm going to create some content for all of us. Yeah. And it and blew she, up. She did it. We love an Internet success story. <laughs> we love a viral TikTok success story that's for i hear she's getting a diy show on hgtv now <laughs> good for her samantha and her hammer i <laughs> uh, love it okay what else well i made a chicken a whole one yes didn't i show you congratulations Ooh, i'm gonna text you this picture right now is it Thank roasted you. and broasted it was roasted uh the barefoot contessa taught me how <laughs> and i did, made a tweet and it but honestly, because my sister, anytime I ask my sister how to do something, she's like, just look up behind a garden. She knows how to make everything. She's just, there's always videos. Like that's Laura's advice across the board. I agree with her. Yeah. She and in this chicken roasting video, oh, she's the best. It starts with Ina Garden looking in the camera and going, I could do this in my sleep. <laughs> and I was like, Wh whoever you, that's what I said. <laughs> that's hilarious. Did you see the tweet? No, I'm not. Literally, her. I did that quote and wrote, yes, bitch. Um, <laughs> And then proceeded to watch the video truly like 10 times because she's so good at it and soothing. Oh, and it so really soothing. was so simple. Did she put and the butter under the skin, which is the grossest thing to do, but it really does make it better. Does she do that? Um, she 
We basted the top of the skin. We didn't do underneath. But my mom used to do that to the Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah, she Big did. pats of butter underneath. Yeah. Stuffing it in there. Let's with take her a look. Long fingernails Ew! shoving like butter and spices no, under typhoid dead Mary. poultry skin. Don't do that. <laughs> well, she had clean hands, oh, my okay, mom. Good. I'm sure she did. I didn't <laughs> mean to. a nurse. I didn't mean to insinuate your mother was filthy. Okay. Okay, wait. <laughs> Here's my chicken final form. It was really fun and easy. Boom. Check that out. Whoo, Karen! This makes you honorary Jew. Really? Why? Because we Jews are great at roaster chicken. This is like... Is that true? Uh-huh. Look at you even tied oh. up its little legs. I found some string in my drawer that I saved Ooh. like a weird little pack rat. And I was like, I have twine. Is that cauliflower? Hell yeah. That's well, those innovative. Are- that's all the vegetables I had. I didn't have any good root vegetables, so I just threw yeah. in onions and cauliflower. That's all you need. It's beautiful. I wish I could have some right now. I'm hungry. Thank you. There's. I have so much. The only problem is yes. that I now have, I'm living in chicken. Right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's everywhere all the time. But it used to, it, it seemed so intimidating for so long. And I think it's just one of the side effects of quarantine, which I am grateful for, which is I put aside all of my cooking negative yeah and just started actually doing it like who cares if you mess it up you're here anyway yeah well good i didn't make it vince mince made corned beef and cabbage whoa we're all about the slow cooker in the house oh good nice you should bust that out uh oh i got an air fryer because you Mm. guys all told me i had to get one but i haven't used it yet but fucking they're all the rage people really love those things those air fryers apparently i'll try anything uh this is just after it's not really a correction because this was more um, the way this listener uh, let me know about this really felt more like a celebration. Plus, their name on Twitter is Mad Mac Murderino. Great. Um, and they said, almost peed my pants listening to today's episode when you talk about Yara Greyjoy going up against the detector inspective. <laughs> That's what I, didn't I said. Notice that at all? Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> That's when I get really excited because. You know that thing you do when you're talking and thinking at the same time uh-huh. where you're like, oh, what's the word I'm about to say? Because in England, they don't call them, a, you know, this. Yes. And then I'm like, what do they call them? I watch so much British TV. So I know smart. what they call them. Yeah. And then, of course, that's what I say. Well, she wrote, played it back right. six times. Right. Sounded good to me. Played it back six times to make sure I wasn't just mentally fatigued. Thank you for the joy. <laughs> Spoken word dyslexia is real. Hell yeah. And then she did hashtag it me. And we know that because it happens quite frequently when you do a podcast well i feel like five years when you have yeah when you have five years of yourself recorded there's going to be a lot and you know i have some classic ones that i still use to this day legendary legendary so it's it's going to happen and hopefully what's the the big one uh, that i can't think of right now steven what was it we Uh, called that episode oh perclivity perclensity 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 that's a, which I now a, use. It works. It works in many. It I, just works. I refuse to admit that it's wrong. <laughs> oh, I have a couple pieces of news. Oh, what is it? Things that are it. Things in the news. Oh, uh, one of them you might have sent me. Boop, boop, oh, you boop, did boop, boop. that. Mm-hmm. The Kendrick Johnson case that I covered, Stephen. If you can find out what episode that was that I yeah. covered it, where the young high school boy was found dead, rolled in a gym mat at his school, yeah. 
and it was um, ruled accidental. I don't have a lot of information, but it's being reopened. It was 2013 and the case is being reopened, which was like all his parents wanted because there were some issues with other kids at school that he was fighting with. There was some missing time on the surveillance camera at school and it's and then some like evidence burned. So it was really suspicious. So even if they just look into it and found that there was wrongdoing in the way that it was um, investigated, you know, I think there's room for that at least. Yes. Just the idea that it's being like just everything's being analyzed yeah. and looked at is I'm very really good news. Happy to hear that one. Was that Stephen? Uh, it was in April of 2020, and it was um, episode 216, April 2nd. Okay. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, so we'll keep our eye out for more information yes. on that. Oh, okay. and then did you send? Oh, Stephen sent us this that Elizabeth Banks <laughs> yeah. is set to direct the bear centric thriller about the cocaine bear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm just yeah. happy it's happening. I I think today I got 50 tweets about okay. that. Okay. See, my, I'm not on, on Twitter, so I don't see this. Yeah. Stuff. Cool. What else? Do you have anything oh, in that well, genre? Well, I just finished a book. I'm, I want to brag because I finished a book. Congratulations. Look, it's not... I have a hard time. I know. I mean it. I, Me I literally have to drag my finger along <laughs> like, like that little two-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. So the the author, um, Elena Ferrante, who wrote My Brilliant Friend, oh, yeah. which is a series on, I believe, HBO. Yeah. She has a new book called The Lying Life of Adults. And Ooh. I loved my my lovely friend, Jamie Filippini, um, who is what I used to call my normal friend because she wasn't a stand up comic <laughs> yeah. and she wasn't in show business. Um, and yeah, she's been rare. my friend for a long time. And she just sent me this book and she's like, I got it. And I'm like, wait, I got this weird book. And then she texted me and she's like, I, I just finished it. I think you're going to like it. It was just like one of those things. Where I'm like, I love so it. Surprise, surprise quarantine gifts is the best feeling. Yeah. It's a teenage girl who is cha- who's changing over from being kind of an innocent only child where her two parents like it's just this family that she yeah. is regular. And she goes through an adolescence thing. But it's kind of that thing of like, as you grow up as a girl and you get an idea in your head about yourself uh-huh. and then you start acting based on this truth that you've made up about yourself. Is it current day? Yes, I believe so. Or ish. Yeah. That's yeah, so yeah. funny. I'm reading a similar book about a young woman, a oh, growing yeah. young woman who's coming into herself. What's it called? But OK, it's called The Book of Longings. And it's by Sue Monk Kidd, K-I-D-D, oh, yeah. who I've mentioned before. Beautiful poetic writer. She wrote The Invention of Wings and The Secret Life of Bees. So this one is about a young woman coming into her adulthood, but it takes place in the first century in Israel. Ooh. And she's going to be like fucking given away into marriage but she's so smart and worldly and like learning about god she's jewish and she this is a spoiler but not really because it's what it's about she meet cute she meets a boy who's like under her in class like in her class ranking um but he is an outcast from his town of nazareth where he's from <gasps> the they, J-Man? they fucking have a meet cute and fall in love and his name is it Jesus? Jesus. <laughs> it's so I was not expecting it because I was like, I'm just gonna not even read the I'm just gonna listen to it because I love her right Sumont kids writing. And then I was like, hold on, his mother's name is Mary. Hold on. Like 
I, I didn't figure it out. <laughs> but that is the ultimate. So beautiful. And I, you know, I'm not, it was, it's just really lovely and like heartfelt and yeah. Ooh. Right. That's so, great. So this is this, the title of this book is Jesus's first girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus's first love. Uh, it's called the book of longings. It's called uh, who I was seeing at the time. <laughs> you know, when people do that, we're like my girlfriend, they're telling you a story and they're like my girlfriend at the time. Right. Where you're well, like, I, I get think, that you're, it's not now. Because I think people are like now coming out the like Jesus had a wife. Like that's a thing. I can't. How dare you? I'm Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe you don't put. <laughs> I'm putting f- grease fire. I'm putting flour on the grease fire flame. You of are religion. This the perfect. No, no, no. You know what you're thinking of that. You're right. But you're thinking of my favorite book ever written, the Da Vinci Code, which is, <laughs> is Mary Magdalene, that Mary Magdalene was Jesus's wife. Oh. And that there that the that the um, Ark of the Covenant, yeah. no, not the Ark of the Covenant. The Noah's Ark. Holy Grail. Uh, sorry. Yeah. The Holy Grail is actually Jesus's child. That, oh, that's that that it's a symbol. Whatever. Okay. That, so basically, there's a there's a bloodline of Jesus's family. Whoa. On Earth. Okay. Is the all idea. right? Well, I don't know anything about that. Well, I would love <laughs> for you to watch uh, Da Vinci Code one and two with me. Is it good? And really? It's a, we'll just take a journey through Tom Hanks making terrible hair decisions. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. Uh. I have another okay. I have another book recommendation, but I took this one from our uh, friend of the family, uh, Rachel McCarthy James, who is the co-author of my favorite favorite book, The Man from the Train. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read The Man from the Train and you like true crime, uh, it is stop yelling at me. Mind blowing. I I just want to reread it, but she just recommended a book, so this is actually not a recommendation, but. I'm this is the book I'm picking to read after this because I just finished the other one. An author named Elon Green, who's is a writer, a very accomplished writer. He wrote a it's a true crime book called Last Call, a true story of love, lust and murder in queer New York. Ooh. And it's the story of the last call killer. That's right. From um, the 90s. Yeah. Yes. And I cannot wait to read it. It's the the reviews are amazing. And Rachel uh, McCarthy James recommended it today on Twitter and was basically like, this is going to be amazing. Well, but then did a thing which we always love. She linked it to her local independent bookstore. (gasps) So if you can buy books from independent bookstores when you're buying your new book, do that. Beautiful. Best move you can do. I love that. This Uh, corner completely provided by Rachel McCarthy James, <laughs> t- lifted entirely from her Twitter feed. Uh, but with credit. Yes, but with credit. Uh, and and with I, I still need to read The Man from the tr- from the Train or Around the Train, In the Train, On the Train. From. From. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I get it. He's from that train. Hey, choo-choo. He killed everybody. Choo-choo. With an axe. Stab, stab. Axe, axe. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I can uh, read it. Okay. Should we do a little news, a little business? Hey, let's do a little exactly right corner because we have a business, a growing business, a startup, some would say. A startup. And you know, when people in the tech industry are going to seed a good idea, they always combine <laughs> the combine elements, which is what we did on Do You Need a Ride? Oh. So it's Do You Need a Ride this week has Banana Boy 
Kurt Brownler. It's a fun, great episode where we is. chatted nonstop. Obviously, that you're forced to, but we <laughs> liked it. We had a great time. We laughed our asses off. Um, okay, so that's a crossover. And then Lady to Lady, the podcast on Exactly Right Network, has friend of the family Fortune Feimster on, who's Plastic. just an incredible talent. If you haven't watched her. her special, her comedy special, Sweet and Salty, you're missing out. So that's all in the family, as one yep. would say. And over on I Saw What You Did, uh, of course, Millie and Danielle are continuing the Is It Good or Was I Horny movie bracket. So definitely... They're going over all the movies um, that affected you as, you know, uh, a youngster. Go check that out and see if you have anything to say or any way to participate in that. It's a really, really funny <laughs> Or just watch thing. along. It's really funny. Uh, yes. And that's on their Instagram is I saw pod. So you can follow along there. You can vote yourself if you want. And they also have incredible new merch out that we highly recommend to support them and to fucking look cool as shit while you're doing it. And to wrap it down, um, this week on the Percast, Stephen Ray Morris um, and Sarah, they have a friend of the fam, uh, author Maureen Johnson on. And you might know Maureen because she, this was a while ago, this was like a couple of years ago, she dedicated one of her books. She's a very accomplished um author she dedicated one of her books to all murderinos mm -hmm. and then in the first printing they left out the r so it said to all mutterinos <laughs> and when it it came out she posted it Poor to us bit. and it was on twitter and she was like you know wrote this whole thing and then i dm'd her and i was like i hate to do this but i just want you to from know the before. source from the yeah. source <laughs> like i i just want you to know first and like just get it get, rip the band-aid off and then so if you're following me along in the minisodes, we've been doing some stories about, um, oh, I guess we only did one story about gravestone cleaning, the art of gravestone cleaning. And no, two, like, because you did it this week as well. No, last week. I Yeah, this week. And then last week I suggested a, um, Instagram, I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Whatever. But I mean, the topic's been brought up. Yeah. Let's yeah. just go. Yeah. So we thought it'd be fun. <laughs> To have a callback to uh, our, we have a gravestone inspired design for my favorite murder that we've been selling. And so we refilled those um, items. So it's like a cool Victorian looking gravestone that says my favorite murder on it. And um, you can get that at myfavoritemurder.com in the store. There's also some cool extras with that design if you're part of the fan cult. And we also got, if you were waiting for the Here's the Thing, Fuck Everyone mugs, they are back in stock. Yes. But so the fucking favorite they have been returned. There. So yeah. um, the merch is there. There's lots of mugs. There's uh, uh, there's also the fucking hooray mug. There's so the much little, cool shit. That looks like balloons. That it's is my, my joy is every time Denton shows us new designs and then lets us pick out what they're called blanks. Like, do you want it on this kind of shirt or this kind of shirt? Do you want it on this tank top or do you want it on a towel or do you want it on a koozie? It's like the most fun for me. So pl <laughs> please check that. Even just look at it and be like, yeah, George is right. This is fucking cool. It's good. It is it's good. good. And we have some great artists and designers. We and do. I'm proud it's of It's very it. fun. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound... 
means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm going this week and I got this. So we got this info. Speaking of exactly right, Erin Brown, our social media manager, who I've known for a very long time, she wrote, you know, what she does in her little bio and then said that the way she got into true crime was when she was little and saw the made-for-TV movie of this story. And I'd never heard of it, so I went and found it, and I'm going to do the story of um, Teresa Saldana. Oh, my God. I figured you'd know all about it. Also, this made-for-TV movie was... I think I probably saw it when I was... I bet you it's like 14, 15. Yeah. I think she said she saw it when she was eight, and then, like, (laughs) lost her mind. So It's unbelievable. Yeah. So... I had never, I didn't know the story at all. So I went down this rabbit hole of it. Um, I got the information from an article by Sharon Lynn Pruitt for Oxygen, Kale Haverfold for uh, Goliath, Cheryl Eddy for Gizmodo, Diane Klein for WAPO, Andrew Limbong for NPR, Carol Baker for UPI, theshaderoom.com by Christina Calloway, New York Times and Wikipedia. And I also watched the made for TV movie, of course. Yeah. 
which you can find on YouTube. So Teresa Saldana is born August 20th, 1954 in Brooklyn at just five days old. She's adopted by Davina and Tony Saldana. At 12 years old, she starts taking acting classes and she is good. She lands a handful of off-Broadway plays as she grows and then starts to book small roles on TV shows and in films. And then her career grows and she starts seriously attracting notice after she's cast in the 1978 Beatlemania film, I Want to Hold Your Hand. <laughs> Did you see that? No. Well, it's not the original. It's like a, was it like a made for TV movie? I think it's something? like a, a TV movie about Beatlemania. Yeah, yeah. Then in early, in the early 80s, so she starts landing significant roles and she's getting bigger and bigger, including in the revenge thriller Defiance. Um, in which she plays a nice girl in a tough neighborhood. And then her career takes a giant step forward when she's cast in the Martin Scorsese film Raging Bull, a fucking yeah. classic. She plays Joe Pesci's wife, Lenore LaMotta, who's also the sister-in-law of Robert De Niro's character. So these are he big roles with big up-and-coming actors that's like... I'm sure she's stoked. I mean, this is, yeah, we're going into peak Scorsese area where he had been, an, you know, I bet you when she got that part in Raging yes. Bull, she was fucking, yeah. she partied, she partied, she went out for some, like, some champagne with her friends. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a really big deal. I mean, obviously. Right. With those actors and that director. Yeah. That's epic. Amazing. And he always casts like he it seems like he keeps the same actors in his like wheelhouse. So I'm sure she was like, this is it. These two films bring her career success. But unfortunately, they also bring the attention of a 47 year old drifter living in Aberdeen, Scotland, named Arthur Richard Jackson. Unbeknownst to Teresa, Jackson uh, stalks Saldana for 18 months. And he even hires a private investigator to find out her personal information. He's able to get the unlisted phone number of her mother. And then he calls um, her mom, pretending to be Martin Scorsese's assistant, and tells the mom, who, of course, does, you know, I think they're in New York still. They have no idea about the business. Um, tells her <laughs> well, what? Sorry. Just doesn't understand how it works, that there's there'd be no reason why the assistant. The way that just sorry, the way it came out, though, is in New York, they don't understand oh. about business. <laughs> or it's like, I don't know. I feel like that's one of those cities where there's a bunch sure of people who do that? understand. You know, I'm guessing they live in the suburbs in the made for you TV know those movie. hicks in New York. They don't know how business works. <laughs> They're all concentrating on Broadway. What do they know from Martin Scorsese? <laughs> they don't know how the typical office works. Yeah. Phones? They don't know phones. phones. So, so the mom, so the mom gets the call, and in the movie, she's like, Ma "Typical mom, New York mom." It's not like she, you know she would know about these things that Martin Scorsese's assistant wouldn't be calling the mom to be like, "Hey, can I get the phone number and address of Teresa?" There's a, this script that uh, Martin Scorsese needs filled right away, like how you talk about it. it's an emergency, and that's tricks people into doing things they wouldn't normally do. Yep. Um, it's a rush. You have to do it right exactly. now. I'm official. I'm important. And right. You have to do it right Says now. they're shooting a film in Europe. They need an actress replacement right away. What's Teresa's phone number? So she gives her, uh, this man Teresa's phone number. And in an interview with Larry King, Teresa Saldana later says, as soon as I got the call from my mom, because the mom was like, I think I did. I think I fucked up immediately. 
Mm. As soon as she got off the call with her mom, her manager, Selma Rubin, called a minute later to tell her that she had been getting some weird calls, too. Um, mm. And it appeared to be from the same person. And so um, then Teresa says, I called the police, but at that time they didn't have themselves on the alert for things like this. They thought it was just nothing. They thought it was a fan, just a fan. Yeah. So not. Yeah. They, they, a fan doesn't try to get your phone number, right? It's well, and also it's I was just kind of thinking it's that thing, this kind of stuff where it's like predatory behavior and it's definitely red flags. And it's the kind of thing when you read these stories all the time, and right. you talk about these stories. This is the stuff that you watch and it always leads up to a thing that, you know, is coming. Mm-hmm. And it just would be great if like the authorities would adjust to that instead of it being like, sorry, we can't do anything. Yeah. Just like, but this isn't normal phone calls. I mean, this specific totally. scenario, they wouldn't be able to do anything, but it is that kind of thing. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I'll tell you all we'll about, it. about it. So meanwhile, this guy, Jackson, scrapes together enough money to head to the United States, United States with his intent being to find Teresa Saldana. So on March 15th, 1982, in the middle of the day, as Teresa, she's now 27 years old, she leaves her West Hollywood apartment to go to a music class and she's approached by a man that she doesn't know. And she's already on high alert because of these phone calls. The man politely asks her, it's the middle of broad fucking day in her neighborhood, excuse me, are you Teresa Saldana? As soon as Teresa replies, yes, Jackson immediately pulls out a five and a half inch hunting knife and starts stabbing Teresa. He stabs her 10 times in the chest, the arms, and the legs using enough force that he bends the blade and punctures one of her lungs. 23 people witness the attack. That's how brazen it is. He, it's not even like he's trying to be uh, uh, secretive at all. Like he's no. just out. For- and that's the, not to be this person, but the in the TV movie, that's the thing that's very upsetting that I remember the most is people are standing there screaming. Yeah. Like what? Right. Like there's like it's it's crazy. It's like it's just so bizarre. Totally. It's like something that. Yeah. There's no just, for there's no forethought to it. There's no it's like this predator. Exactly how you said. So 23 people witness, including a passing delivery man named Jeff Fenn, F-E-N-N. He hears Teresa screams. He stops his truck and runs to her aid. Mm -hmm. He fights Jackson off and holds him until the police arrive. Like, what a freaking hero. Hero. Um, Not that the other people aren't like we're going to do anything, but like, you know, jumping in. It's like it's just... That's that first responder vibe of a person that you not just anyone can do it. Totally. Not just anyone has that. It's like we talk about flight or fight or yeah. whatever. And that's a person who is just like, I go in when stuff like this happens. Exactly. Yeah. So the paramedics take Teresa to nearby Cedar sinai Hospital. And by this time, her heart is actually stopped and she's rushed into the ER where she gets heart and lung surgery and 26 pints of blood which miraculously save her life. And she needs a four month hospital stay in order to recover from the whole ordeal, which is like four just months. shows you how fucking detrimental it was to her body. Yeah. Four months. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jackson is convicted. I'm not going to go through the whole fucking trial, but he's convicted of attempted murder and inflicting great bodily injury. But he's only sentenced to 12 years in prison, which is the maximum sentence in the early 80s in California for these crimes. 
So while he's in prison, Jackson continues to threaten Saldana. He sends a letter to a Geraldo producer and details his plan to, quote, assassinate her, saying, quote, I am capable of alternating between sentiment and savagery, romance and reality. So he's got he's definitely, you know, evaluated psychologically and there are huge glaring issues with his mental health. The same month, he writes another letter saying that Saldana telling her she's marked for death. Um, So he's basically given free access from the prison to continue to harass and threaten her despite his vicious attack and conviction. He's still able to send out these letters unchecked. By 1989, just seven years into a sentence for attempted murder, Jackson's already scheduled for parole and will be let off on good behavior. Despite the fact that he continues to send these letters and to Teresa and other news outlets throughout his entire sentence. And he refuses psychiatric counseling treatment while in prison and confesses while incarcerating to murdering a man during a, a London bank robbery two decades er earlier. Apparently, oh. good behavior includes those things. Which is just so absurd. Like, say what it's really for is that you, you don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Well, also just that kind of thing where this isn't we're not talking about the average inmate here. Right. It's a person who like stalked and then victimized a woman and went to jail for attempted to murder a her. Attack yeah. And continues to victimize a woman and continues to promise harm to her. Yes, and sure. then they're like and how about some parole? Like that doesn't good make sense. Behavior. It's yeah, it doesn't it's make insulting. sense. Insulting. The point of parole is proving you have been rehabilitated. Exactly. So I don't get how I don't get. But this is also from the eighties, right? Yes. So, yes. And there's more. So let's get into yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So Saldana, when she finds this out, is shocked and she's told there's nothing anyone can do about it. That his threats are looked at as quote just words by the prison officials. Ha, but they're not just words if he already acted on right? them. Is there okay? And anyway. just words after you've acted on in the same way should be a problem. You know what I mean? Well, it's a problem not to be in jail, right? So, so yeah, it's it should it should be like that. He's not just the kind of person that's going to say stuff. He's going to do right. stuff. exactly. So clearly, yeah. he's not rehabilitated in any way. So now Teresa's 34 years old. She's six months pregnant and she fears for her life, of course, saying, quote, this man is going to kill me if someone doesn't help. That is the truth. She begins advocating against his release and starts shining a light on the fact that the system is flawed in protecting people from violent criminals. This is further enforced by a 1985 state law being overturned that would have kept him incarcerated beyond his release date. Um, on a year by year basis, if the state psychiatrist thought he was still a violent threat and those psychiatrists came forward and said they wholeheartedly did think he was still a violent threat. But it didn't matter at that point because that law was overturned. And Jackson actually does end up serving additional time after endless appeals. Saldana said, quote, and then even when I got the letter about the repeal, they said they weren't going to take the repeal as the final thing. They would be that would be appealed. But in the last couple of weeks, all we got were very, very tactic and very, very specific and serious words to the effect of prepare yourself because he's coming out on June 15th and there's nothing we can do. Ugh. 
Eventually, the court sides with Saldana and Jackson receives an additional five years and nine months for his death threats. So finally, he gets punished and they take those fucking seriously. Yeah. At the sentencing, Superior Court Judge James Baskew tells Jackson, quote, I find you to be an extremely dangerous person. It is my opinion you are a danger to yourself. You are a danger to Miss Saldana and you clearly and clearly you are a danger to everyone around you. The deranged Jackson says the sentence is, quote, a declaration of war. What? <laughs> to the judge. <laughs> to the judge. Yeah. <laughs> and the judge is like, double what I just said, please. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. This is not a sane person. No. And it's not a person that's in, in their right mind. No. A judge's mid is like mid literally sentence <laughs> sentencing you. Yeah. And you're just like. It's on, bitch. Yeah. You're just like, here's well, guess the answer. Guess who's going to win this? Yeah. Guess who's going to win this, dummy? In 1996, Jackson is extradited to England for the murder that he admitted to in prison, the bank robbery murder. He's found not guilty, but he's placed in a psychiatric hospital where he dies in 2004 of heart failure. Well, all right. So in 1984, Teresa makes the decision to relive her traumatic ordeal by playing herself. In the made-for-TV movie, Victims for Victims, the Teresa Saldana story, which makes the made-for-TV movie, as we were talking about, so real and gut-wrenching. And, like, she fucking played herself. Okay, I didn't remember that. Oh! I, so, the, so I remember the movie. I remember that scene. And so now I'm like, that scene was so creepy or whatever. It's like, yeah, because she was her. in it. Because it was basically, like... The ultimate reenactment. I mean, she that was is reliving her exact trauma. Also, can I just say that I remember the commercials for that made for TV movie? Like, were again, they terrifying? As they, yes, as they, as they built up to that, it was because the story was in the news yeah. and the story was kind of like everywhere. Yeah, it happened in 82 and it's 84 now. So I'm sure yes, it was just as it, big. It was around all the time. And then it basically, because I know she did obviously press and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it became about her going, yeah, a minute, I'm taking it back. This is my story. Yeah. This happened to me. And I will. And it was just like a thing that was very consistent in that part of my childhood. It's just like watching her be like, yeah, I'm doing I'm taking it back like this enough. Like people need to care about victims. That's so badass. Yeah, that's it's incredible. And watching it, you're just like amazed by her. So um the f oh, and in fact, in the movie, a doctor and paramedic from her attack played themselves as well in the emergency room scenes. Did the um, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, I love like a detail. I was thinking you're going to say that the delivery man played himself. No, but he comes back into the story. So OK, I'll okay. Tell you about him in a minute. Um, Miss Saldana said, quote, working on the film released a lot of tension for me because you want to ask the question, like, did it re it could have re-traumatized you? Very easily, yeah. you know? Yes. Um, so she actually said, working on the film released a lot of tension for me. As we shot, I felt elated and creative because she's an actress, you know? I felt that I was capable of anything. How many people are offered the opportunity to go back in time and relive a traumatic experience, but without any of the physical or emotional pain that they felt the first time? Yeah. It's almost like exposure therapy. I hope there was, I'm sure there was, but like someone on set. Yes. So it wasn't just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, gotta hope we're back in five. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like that I, that's some, but I would imagine if she's this 
together that they probably yeah, they managed they clearly manage it well if that's her story yeah about it. We, we don't suggest doing this with your trauma but if you're in a place where you can i mean then or that works for you i mean wow if you, if you could be it in a monday cbs monday night of the movies like back then those <laughs> oh, t- made for tv movies all had names they had their own opening graphics yeah. like and it was a thing that got promoted all week long like this was appointment TV. Yes. It was one of your one of your four choices. And they're just like, I pick this one. It's on watch YouTube. This. Watch five minutes of it and you'll know what we grew up on. This inspiring story. Yeah. So yeah. Teresa then goes on to have a steady acting career, appearing in the 1984 Charles Bronson film, The Evil That Men Do, and in guest roles on several television series. In the early 1990s, she lands a starring role in the television series, The Commish. Mm-hmm. Remember that as Rachel yep. Scully, Scully, uh, the wife of the police commissioner, Tony Scully, played by Michael Chiklis, classic actor. And not to be confused uh, by mine and <laughs> Gareth Reynolds TV show, The Cofficioner. Oh, which yeah, is a, I forgot about that. <laughs> a totally different idea. Uh, I forgot all about Similar, that. Similar, not the same. That's right. Yeah. Um, she the goes commissioner on, was actually a, a, a good TV. It show. was classic. My mom totally watched that. Yeah, yeah. Um, she also goes on to write a memoir about her attack called "Beyond Survival," and she becomes an advocate for others who have suffered a violent crime by founding a support group called Victims for Victims. As a result of Teresa's efforts and the 1989 murder of actress Rebecca Schaefer by an obsessed mm. fan, California passes the nation's first anti-stalking law in 1990. So mm-hmm. that's, I mean. That's how long it took for anyone to fucking yeah. admit that that's a crime. Long overdue, but, you know, yes. first steps. That's right. Then on September 13th, 1994, the federal law called Violence Against Women Act of 1994 is signed by then President Bill Clinton. The act provides $1.6 billion towards investigation and prosecution of violent crimes against women. Um, imposed automatic and mandatory restriction on those convicted and allowed civil redress in cases prosecutors chose not in, in which they chose not to prosecute the case. So you can then be like, fuck you. I'm taking this up higher. Mm-hmm. Um, the act also established the Office of Violence Against Women within the Department of Justice. So finally, by 1994, it's being taken a little more seriously. Um, the bill was sponsored by a certain Delaware senator named Joseph Biden. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. And gained support from a broad coalition of advocacy groups. The act passed through both houses of the Congress uh, with bipartisan support in, the, in 1994. Um, although the following year, the House Republicans attempted to cut the act's funding. Many of those grant programs that were authorized in the act have been funded by the U.S. Congress. The Office on Violence Against Women have received appropriations from Congress for things like grants to encourage arrest and enforce protection orders, court training and improvement grants, research on violence against Native American women, national tribal sex offender offender registries, um, stalker reduction database, protections and services for disabled victims and violence on camp college campuses grants. So they're trying to cover, you know, really specific issues that in in and of themselves are delicate and take a lot of care and effort. But of course, even 25 years later, we're still a long way from stalking victims having adequate rights and protection. 
So in a January 2009 National Crime Victimization Survey um, said that during a 12-month period, an estimated 14 in every 1,000 persons aged 18 or older were victims of stalking. Nearly 54% of female victims and 41% of male victims experienced stalking before the age of 25. And an estimated 5.9 million U.S. residents age 18 or older experienced behaviors consistent with either stalking or harassment. So while the federal government, all 50 states, the District of Columbia and U.S. territories have enacted criminal laws to address stalking, the legal definition for stalking varies across all the jurisdictions. Uh, In 2000, the National Center for Victims of Crime partnered with the U.S. Department of Justice Office on Violence Against Women to create the Stalking Resource Center, SRC. And that's uh, you can go to victimconnect.org and victimsofcrime.org to find the protection orders and national hotlines if you need help with that. So then there's a woman called Tamara Hill. She is a YouTube uh, personality and she's an internationally and board certified trauma therapist and licensed child and family therapist. I would highly suggest going to her YouTube page. That's T-A-M-A-R-A Hill. She covers a lot of topics, including and related to stalking, trauma and psychotherapy. So it's YouTube.com slash Tamara H therapist. So if you need any information or help, she's a really great resource. Oh, nice. As for Teresa Saldana, she passed away in 2016 at Cedar sinai of pneumonia at the age of 61. And the man who heroically came to her aid, the delivery man, he switched careers after the ordeal and he became what he always wanted to be, a police officer. Can you even? That's crazy. I know. So he had that thing in him of like, emergency, I go. I run towards the problem. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, all right. So then finally, I looked, of course, this story up on our um, Gmail account to see if anyone had written in about it. And there weren't a lot, surprisingly, but one um, murderino named Katie wrote in. And here's what she said. Uh, she said, I'm writing in to y'all today to tell you about an incredible woman that I am proud to say I knew as a little girl growing up when I was about eight years old at one of the first at one of my first ballet schools in L.A. I met this mother and daughter duo whom over the years we always seem to have left and changed over to the same ballet schools one after the other. When I first saw and met her mother, I was instantly intrigued and thought of her as such an interesting person and character. She was unlike anyone I had ever come across before. She always wore very long and flowy dresses, and she also always wore a hat that cast a shadow over her face. While you had to sort of peek under the hat to see her face, I always remember thinking how beautiful she was. Her garments were always in the darker tones and hues, but the brightness of her spirit and personality were always gleaming through. I cannot quite remember how it came about that my mother revealed to me who she was, but I'm 99% sure it was in the car where all our serious and almost always inappropriate for my age type conversations occurred. My mom revealed to me that my ballet friend's mother was a pretty famous actress in the night in the 1980s and 90s and was is basically the reason why California became the first state in the U.S. to criminalize stalking. Wow. She could have easily gone into retreat after such a heinous and traumatic attack, which no one could ever fault anyone for doing. But she didn't. She went out and used her trauma to bring awareness to something that I was shocked to find out wasn't always illegal. It is crazy to me that before the 1990s, it was totally okay apparently, to follow someone around because you're obsessed with them. 
She experienced many health complications due to her attack, but that too never stopped her from continuing her acting career, from taking her daughter to every single one of her ballet classes and to every one of our rehearsals and definitely never stopped her from being a loving and supportive mother and friend, not only to her daughter, but to me as well. She even nicknamed me the baby ballerina. She was truly a great lady. And I often think about her and her daughter. And that is the story of Teresa Saldana. Oh, I love that ending. Like a personal, I knew her, I knew her personally. Yeah. Like I got, I got to know her as a person. That's and her very spirit touching. shone through. It was not that yeah. lovely email. Thank you, Kate. That's so lovely. Yeah. That was, yeah. I really, it's such a, it's such a cool story because the amount of strength and resilience it would take. I mean, the, just that, that idea, what she went through and the stages of what she went through, because the stalking itself is so scary. Oh. You know what I mean? And then it's just like, it's really impressive. It's just always, uh, there's nothing like a survivor story because there's something in that, that it's just like, you know, the attack is so horrible. The story, you know, the, the details of what she went through after that. Yeah. And then she just continued to, uh, to compare to like fight back and and then start fighting for other people it's just like that's like an a plus survivor story yes she's kind of the she's the og really yeah because that's that's like one of the first ones i ever saw and it was at to watch a a a made for tv movie like that as a like adolescent yeah it was really shocking and really like wait this can happen totally and then the point of the story was it can happen and you can then take it back. Yeah. And she was kind of like there front and center to be saying that it was it's amazing. She's that's an incredible work she did. Yes. In her life. Definitely. We all owe her a debt of gratitude. And then went on to like be to star on a very popular TV <laughs> yeah. show. It wasn't just like, yeah, she's a true badass. Totally. Totally. The commissioner, for God's sake. I know. I it was on for like eight years. Yeah. And she was like. Yeah, it was she huge. did it. She did it. Yeah. So really incredible and uh, gives us all hope and let's all carry some of her tenacity in our bones. Yeah. 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 So cool. Yeah. I love that. I, I um, it made me immediately think of the Rebecca Schaefer story, yes. too, because he that stalker also got her information by hiring a private detective. Yes. It was like very common, no big deal. Wasn't it also the DM he called the DMV too? Yes. And that was that they made laws that you can't that the DMV cannot because they could just you could just call and be like, hey, I'm you a bail have, bondsman and I need the information for this yeah. you know, person who's on bail or whatever. This person's yeah, address or whatever. Yeah. I know it's so creepy. Those kinds of things where it's like what things are set up just based on like if it, it had to have happened already totally we can't so do anything thing, until yeah, the bad hit hasn't happened yeah it's just so backwards it, it's it is so backwards also just the idea just from the beginning of that story it's just like this was a person who had um real mental disorder yes and and the idea the idea that it was just like, and then his choice to never address it, to never get help. Yes. To continue to never, his actions. And to, you know, feel almost entitled to be yeah. able to act that way. Yeah. Is really, it's that in and of itself was really something. Cause it's like, so many things could be solved if people could just, instead of being like, you know what I'm going to do is uh, violence where it's like, yeah. all right. Or 
you could talk to someone. You could maybe see if you could get on a pill that would make you stop wanting. Like, you know, totally. Anyway, uh, you know, I'm a dreamer. (laughs) The idea that people would just go to therapy and work on their shit. I mean, if only, if only, if only. Well, should Should we we do do some some fucking hurry? Let's fucking do it. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. All right. You want to go ahead? Okay. This is from Alien Ned. (laughs) A-L-I-A-N Ned. From Instagram. My fucking array is a small victory. I had the overwhelming <laughs> desire. Sir, what? Could the name be like Aileen? Aileen D. Alia. Alienid. A L I A. Allie and Ned. It's Allie and Ned. Uh, and there's a couple in the photo. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Alienette, <laughs> what's up? It's just like the game concentration. Oh but my people, god, it is! I'm so bad. Amazing, at it. good job. You sounded it out. You stuck with it. Great job. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, my fucking <laughs> Alienette. This is from Alien Ned. Alienette. Alien. <laughs> my fucking array is a small victory. I had the overwhelming desire to cancel my virtual therapy therapy appointment so that I could avoid working on myself and maybe take a three hour depression nap instead. Mm-hmm. Been there. I've not been doing so well lately. I fought the impulse to avoid and ignore, which is the loudest voice in my depression, and attended my session. I'm glad I did because fuck you, depression. I needed it and I am worth it. Congratulations, nice. Allie and or Ned. That's awesome. Um, that is actually humongous. Uh-huh. And that's the kind of thing. And I yes, we've all been there for sure. But the more you fight that impulse, and I'm saying this as a person who often does not, mm-hmm. but like fighting that impulse and doing mm-hmm. um what do they call like opposite behavior yeah and like doing the thing you don't want to do which is like the stronger choice yeah is the key to life just little tiny improvements like that yeah get you everywhere in this world so true i need to do alien ned i'm proud of you (laughs) (laughs) keep it up um Okay, so this says, um, this is Mia Jacobson, 21. My fucking hooray is that this year I'm graduating college. I got into my dream school and I'm, oh, sorry. I got into my dream vet school and I'm celebrating 
my three-year remission from cancer. (gasps) I was diagnosed freshman year of college, went through surgery and six months of chemotherapy, and then went back to school as soon as I could. Whoa. I'm blown away. (laughs) Although the trauma of having cancer as a young adult is something I constantly have to work through. I'm so proud that I've been able to accomplish so much over the past few years. Thank you for always being there and talking so openly about dealing with trauma. I can't wait to listen to you as I walk to my vet school classes in the fall. Fucking hooray. Yay. Unbelievable. Congratulations on all fronts. Couldn't get through school with every goddamn advantage and yeah. <laughs> like the idea that they went through school yeah and w- got cancer recovered from cancer yeah. went into remission and then went back to school as soon as possible i would have made i oh. i would have used it as an excuse to not yes but that's of incredible course. built in yeah not that's, an excuse i mean rightfully so well as a reason yeah. but I would have used it as an excuse of just like, hey, can you bring me some um, <laughs> just milking it for years uh-huh. afterwards? OK, this is from M. This is from M underscore cube <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Got a fucking hooray for y'all. You all. Yeah. I put the y'all in. <laughs> uh, I spent seven years in a, quote, stable career after college that had severe impacts on my mental health. I stayed because I thought that's what I needed to do, but I felt trapped, miserable, and unqualified to do anything else. Last year, I read SSDGM, and with a lot of inspiration from you fine ladies and encouragement from a few best friends, I quit that job, went back to school, and today, less than a year later, all caps, I got hired as a graphic designer. Nice. I've never been this proud of myself or cried happy tears until I called my mom to tell her I I did it. So fucking hooray. I'm a badass who's taking what she wants in this shit show world. <laughs> fucking hooray. Yes. Is that right? A year. That's incredible. Like you could be a year away from your dream job if you just yeah. decide what you want to do in this year. This next yep. year is the deciding factor between right now and 365 days from now. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, hey, me too. I just realized. <laughs> hey. Um, also, graphic designers, the, I think, oh, one of the coolest jobs there is. So it's cool. the coolest. It's, it's very cool. Definitely. You get to be an artist, but you also, uh, it's straight up business. Like, people need you. Yeah, it's um, art. It's business. It's scientific in a lot of ways. It's like. It's the coolest. It's the coolest. It's, that's that's a very cool job. Congratulations. Yes, you did and it. good work. That's fucking You right. did your work. Yes. Okay. This is from 4N6B Mod. <laughs> That's not real. Foreign, is that a bot? 4N6B Mod. Sound it out. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, this is like, yeah, driver's license plate, <laughs> a license plate game. Foreign 6B Mod. <laughs> nope. No. Okay. Um, Foreign I had a big fucking hooray today. I volunteered at my state's first mass vaccination <gasps> clinic. It was the first time in over a year that I felt that joyful energy you can only get from being in a crowd of people that are experiencing true happiness like a concert, but with needles and allergy observations. (laughs) (laughs) 
I even had a gentleman tell me he loved me in that way that seems so genuine, recognizing a moment of lovely connection with a stranger. And it's just about the humanity of it all. My empath self soaked it all up. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful break from COVID anxiety and depression. We managed over 500 vaccinations per hour and over 12,000 vaccination in three days. Holy shit. I can't wait to help with the next one. Let's get those shots in arms. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, I want That's so great. But also that reminds me, Kurt Brownler has been posting on Instagram this. So it's called Get Out the Shot LA. And I'm sure it happens in other towns as well, where if you volunteer to work, you know, eight hours or however long at a vaccination location, you're eligible for the shot as well. Yeah, you get it. Right. They give so, it to you automatically. Yeah. This one's gotsla.org, but look up your town and see if there's something similar, because that could be really great for people who need it, but aren't on the immediate list and a really cool yeah. way to like volunteer. Okay, this is my last one. It's from Jordan.Motzinger. I think I got that right. My fucking hooray is finally able to be shared. I've waited so long to be able to say that after a long, indescribably emotional journey, we brought home our adopted baby two weeks ago. While we never want to see a family broken up, especially if an expectant mother would be able to parent with ample support and resources, we pray to be able to stand in a space where we were needed. We pray to be able to stand in a space where we were needed and join arms with an expectant mother to love, support and serve her. Our son's birth mother is a beautiful, compassionate, outrageously strong woman, and we love her endlessly. Our family has not only grown by adding our son, but also by adding his bio family. If you read this on the pod, please share that the adoption community needs ethical advocates for all members of the triad, not just adoptive families and children, but also the birth mothers and fathers. We named our son Merit because it means worthy and he is all that and more. Oh, congratulations. Isn't that beautiful? Like that's such I a mean, it's a lovely message. And yeah. It's yeah. But at the same time, it's also just like you have a little family. I know. That's so lovely. A big what an exciting thing. A big growing family. That's lovely. Yeah. All right. Here's my last one. Uh it says, fucking hooray. It's never too late to advocate for yourself. Hmm. And this is from Tizzy. It says, I've always had issues with reading, writing, spelling, and math. As I progressed through school, I hid my struggles because I didn't want others to think that I wasn't capable or stereotype me as, quote, another child of color who couldn't read. I started to figure out little shortcuts to get by, but my studies eventually outpaced my ability to adapt. I did research some years ago and talked to some of my friends that specialized in dyslexia. I seemed to have an unofficial answer, but that wasn't satisfying enough. It wasn't until recently that I was able to afford a proper evaluation. And then in parentheses, it says, side note, they're expensive, an average of $2,000, which raises questions of equity, among other things. But I digress. Very true. End parentheses. Come to find out, I don't have dyslexia, but a visual processing disorder. Basically, my brain has trouble processing input from my eyes, which causes my brain to flip and mirror letters, move the words on the page, make solving math equations difficult, and can even affect depth perception. My brain will also skip lines and omit words or notes altogether when reading books and sheet music. 
at 29 years old and 1.5 semesters into a PhD program for music education, I finally have an answer and will get the academic accommodations that I need. Stay sexy and never stop advocating for yourself. Safira. And then it says, it's Jewish. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to cry and now I'm laughing. Oh my God. Isn't that the fucking greatest? Okay, first of all, with all of that, you're They're still in a, a PhD program. Yeah. Like all of all of that problems, like clearly they adapted well enough to get themselves. Yes. You're brilliant. Very far in life. And it's very like far you're brilliant. And then the, the, the American school systems way of teaching and way of how you have to learn doesn't work for everyone. So you're still incredibly smart and you your 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 workaround it's like wow. probably makes you way more intelligent than just, you know, the but it's such bear. a good point of like that kind of testing should be available to all children, yeah. not just rich kids. No, because kids should know if you're having problems reading or if you're having problems in school. Yeah, it it it's it could very possibly could not be your fault. Totally. And it's not about your concentration or oh, anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you're stupid or something. Oh, my God. Uh, well, and, Stupid, which is a self-esteem thing, or it yes. turns into um, like a behavioral issue because you're, yes. you know, like there's all kinds of ways that goes wrong where it's like, you know. Well, I, I say uh, stupid in that when I was a kid, I, I had some learning issues, too, and I just thought I was stupid because it didn't fit. Everyone else could understand the basic way. Right. So it made me think yeah. I was stupid and I didn't try. Um, it's a scary feeling. Yeah. <sighs> So hearing that and that she's 29, it's like it's never it's never it's never too late to stop advocating. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. You guys send in your fucking arrays on Instagram, on Twitter. There's a fan cult forum where you can put it in. You can email it to us. I think social media and fan cults best, but also respond to each other and congratulate everyone for their fucking badassery. And I mean, there's great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff going on out there. Oh, mention this because I oh, I just remembered it right now. It happened. I uh, it happened almost like a, more over a week ago. But you know, there's this uptick in in um, racially motivated attacks on Asian people yes. these days, yes. and it's it, it's in the news. It's in it's happening a lot. It's very disturbing. Yeah. It's really upsetting. And someone they reached out on Twitter, see if it's going to find the name for us, and um, said that uh, there were Asian people that were in New York City who were talking about being worried about walking around like Mm. that. It was that worrisome on a uh, like on a a murderino forum Uh somewhere. And all these murderinos started volunteering to walk people where they (gasps) needed to go. I mean, it's awful that it has to happen that way, but that's incredible. Someone like the first one I saw because they included like a a picture in their post that Mm -hmm. they sent to me. And the first one was like somebody saying, I'm a martial arts instructor. I'll walk you anywhere you need to go. Yes. The person who tweeted it at us was at Gene Kim with um, with three N's. Gene Kim. And can you see that first one? Can you see the name of the... um, I think they said they were a martial arts instructor or something along those lines. It's in her. It's in the picture of the thing she posted that she was looking at. 
like the forum. Oh, picture. the name is blocked out in that. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I just want to give that person a little credit. But I, apparently there were there were I think she says in the tweet, right, Stephen, that there's like 50 people or 60 people that offered <sighs> to walk any 48. Asian that felt 48 people, uh, 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 murderinos offered to walk any Asian person who felt unsafe being by themselves on the street. <laughs> where it's just like this is the best thing and i yeah. just wrote back i love this and it doesn't surprise me at yeah all. it's awful but we but murderinos once again are the best fucking people yeah just uh we got we've all got to unite yeah we got to unite against that bullshit that's fuck not yeah. cool fuck yeah all right that was a great episode yeah that was fun good job Good times. Good job to all of us. Good job to Georgia for handling the story this Thank week. Thank you. Good job to all of us for the, being here Karen. with her and for her. <laughs> um, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you guys are the best, as I just said. You are really, I think you're, you personally are among our top 10 uh, favorite Definitely. listeners. Definitely. Yes, you. And your no, sister. You. Oh, me? You. Oh. <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Elvis, do you want a cookie?